We'll start off in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4. Something that Paul said just prior to his death. Maybe one of the final uh, epistles or letters that he wrote to the church, in this case to Timothy. He sums things up in 2 Timothy, chapter 4, and verse 7. Well, verse 6 said, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. He meant his departure to heaven because he was going to die soon at the hands of the Roman government. Verse 7, though, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So what a wonderful thing to be able to say, something we should all be able to say when our end comes, that we've kept the faith. It was a powerful statement on his part of his unyielding faith and his undying faith in Jesus and in the gospel message. So Paul's trust in Jesus never wavered throughout his Christian years. His faith was as solid on the day of his death as it was the moment he first believed on the road to Damascus. Paul not only believed the gospel, he faithfully preached it and guarded it from being changed or weakened in any way. He remained firmed in his faith when his audience turned into a violent mob trying to stone him to death, and we read about that in the book of Acts. He remained strong in his faith when he was brought before political rulers Again, in the book of Acts, it talks about how he was brought before Felix, he was brought before Festus, and also Agrippa. And he had to answer for his faith and and his beliefs. And God strengthened him, and he stood strong in his faith. And he even boldly corrected the apostle Peter when Peter showed signs of compromising the teachings of Jesus. All of these stories in the book of Acts but examples of Paul's faith. So keeping the faith is never easy. Satan tried to derail Paul's faith by causing people to oppose him all along the way. They opposed him and they opposed the gospel at every opportunity. So again, mostly in the book of Acts, but throughout the epistles, you read about in Galatia, the legalists that lived there and how Paul, specifically in the book of Galatians, had to counteract the legalism. They were teaching, well, you're not saved by grace, you're saved by keeping of the law, and Paul stood firmly against that. In Colossae, there were Gnostics who were teaching that, you know, the gospel is not enough. There's got to be extra knowledge, secret knowledge that you've got to add to your belief. And Paul spoke out boldly against that, Gnosticism. And of course, there were Judaizers at every turn in Paul's ministry. People who said, you got to be circumcised, you got to be this, you got to be that. Paul said, no, we're saved by faith. Men even sent forged letters pretending to be Paul. They sent them to the different churches to confuse people. There were slanderous attacks on Paul's integrity and his, on his personal appearance, we read about that the other week, and his unpolished speech ability. 
as Paul wrote in, in one scripture, he said, I am pressed, hard pressed on every side. So in spite of all that, he kept his faith. You know, there are challenges to our faith too, aren't there? There are people who get up in our face and maybe criticize us for going to church on Sunday, criticize us for being Christians, criticize us for believing in what they consider to be fairy tales in the Bible. So be prepared to be challenged for your faith, just as Paul was. Here again in 2 Timothy chapter 1 this time, and verse 12. Talking about his faith, which gets him through all of the trials and tribulations, he says, that is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed talking about Jesus. He says, I'm not ashamed because of my belief. I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. That day talking about the day of Jesus' return, when all will be made plain, that people will realize finally that God does exist that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he's the Savior of all mankind. So Paul had no doubt in his mind. He was convinced that what he believed, what Jesus taught, was real. Talking about Paul's faith, Paul considered Jesus as the ultimate goal of Christianity and nothing else. It was Christ alone. It was Jesus alone, his sacrifice for us on the cross, and nothing needs to be added to that for our salvation. We're saved by grace alone. I want to turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to stay in Paul's uh, writings today, but notice what he says in the book of Philippians. Philippians 3, beginning in verse 3, he says this, For it is we who are the circumcision, talking about coming out of Judaism to Christianity, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus. So that's who we glory in. We who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. So he talks about before he was called to become a Christian, he was raised in a Jewish culture and he was a big shot in the Jewish culture. He had a lot for people to uh, envy him for. He goes on to list some of it. He says, I have more. Conf reason for confidence in the flesh. Circumcised on the eighth day, just as the Bible, you know, taught back in the Old Testament. Of the people of Israel, he was an Israelite, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. So he had done everything the right way while he was a Jew, while he was a Pharisee. But then he was called by Jesus 
to turn around and become a Christian, to believe in Jesus Christ, to preach the gospel. And in verse 7 he says, But whatever was to my profit back in my early life, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. So he came out of his past completely when he became a believer, and he left that all behind. All of the things that he took pride in, all of the things that people honored him for, he said that was all a bunch of nothing compared to knowing Jesus. He says, I consider them rubbish, all of his past achievements, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of suffering in his suffering, and the fellowship of sharing, rather, in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. So Paul's faith was solely in Jesus Christ. It was no longer in his upbringing. It was no longer in his great achievements as a Jew and as a Pharisee. He put that all behind him. And he said, this is more important. This is vitally important. Continuing in verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. So, you know, we've all come from different backgrounds. We've all had achievements in the past. And those are fine. You know, it's wonderful. But as Paul says when he came to know Jesus Christ that instantly became the most important thing in his life. All of the rest of his life circled around his relationship with Jesus Christ. That came first and foremost. He had every reason to take pride in himself formerly and his accomplishments but now he takes pride in his Savior. And you know that's the basis of true faith. We all want to have the right kind of faith. We have to put Jesus as number one in our lives. So as Paul wrote, he was very forward-looking in everything that he wrote. Paul considered his life as nothing more than preparation for life after death. And I don't know if you've ever come to have that perspective in your life. You know, the older you get, sometimes, you know, you think about your life think about the past, you think all you've been through, and, and you think, man, what is the big picture of all this? You know, most of us here in this room today, when it comes to our lives and our age, if you're uh, talking in golf terms, we're all playing the back nine. <laughs> you 
you know, we finished the first, the, the first nine, it's 18 holes, we're all on the back nine. You know, we don't know how much longer we have to go, how many more holes to play, God will take care of that. But you start to think about your life and all that you've been through. Paul had the right perspective. He thought that everything that he endures in this life, everything that he experiences is all temporary and it's all about the future. It's all about life after death and what God has in store for us then. So he's very forward looking and we should be the same way. You know, amongst all people in our society today, they get involved in all sorts of things, whether it's hobbies, whether it's work, whether it's politics, whatever the case may be. But we, separated from all of the people, are very forward-looking. We know that whatever happens in this life is just temporary. It's all about the future. It's all about when Jesus returns or if we should die before that time comes. This life is nothing more than a preparation for the next life. I want to turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 and verse 18. That's why with a focus on the future, he's able to say this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. See, that's the way Christians should feel. That's the outlook that they should have. It's all about the future. It's just a matter of time. He says in verse 19, the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. So we all endure stuff in this life. There are sufferings, there are health problems, there are problems of all sorts and concerns and, and anxiety that we all feel from time to time. But Paul continually kept his focus on the future. And it should be our focus too, because he's writing these things as a lesson to us. So we know that God will see us through in this life. He's gonna make sure that we, we get through no matter what the situation is. And it can get a little shaky sometimes. You know, uh, not only our country, but the whole world seems to be in kind of an economic recession right now. And we're wondering about the economy. Prices are going up. You know, they're talking about a lot of companies starting to lay off people now because of the recession. And a lot of people are worried. You know, those who have investments in the stock market, you know, they've lost a lot of money this year so far because things have been going downward. But we don't have to worry. We know God's in charge. We know that he's gonna take care of us no matter what. So Paul had that faith. He had that confidence. He wasn't worried. He didn't have anxiety because he knew who was in charge. He knew who he believed in. He knew who his savior was. There's a definition of faith in the Bible back in Hebrews chapter 11. That's known as the faith chapter. And the first verse of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's faith. So we have never seen God, have we? We've seen many things that he's done. We see changes that he's made in our lives. 
we see blessings that he's blessed us with. We haven't seen God per se, but we believe that he exists. We've never seen him, but we believe that he exists. We have confidence in that. That's faith, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And faith is a blessing from God as well. Faith is something that Jesus Christ had when he came to this earth. You know, he stepped away from his heavenly dominion, as it says in the, in the uh, epistle of Philippians, he gave that all away and became nothing for us. He came down to just become a human being, to live, to die, and eventually to go back up to heaven. But he had faith in the Father that everything that he was going through in his life here on earth was God's will. And God was in charge. So he had faith. It's his faith that we are, are given as Christians. So faith isn't something that we work up by ourselves. This belief in things that we've never seen is something that God blesses us with. You know, there's a, a biblical principle, I think, that Paul leaned heavily on in his faith. It's found in Romans 4, verse 17. Romans 4 and verse 17. This is one thing that I really enjoy about Paul's writings. It helps my faith a lot. Romans 4, verse 17, notice what he says here. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He's talking to Abraham. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom we, he believed. The God who, notice, talking about God, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. God calls things that are not as though they were. Because with God, they surely will be. You know, when God promises something, we can count on it. Even though it hasn't happened yet, if God says it's so, believe me, it's going to be so. And that's a wonderful principle. And Paul uses it many times in his writings. It helped his faith, and it should help ours. I want to give you an example. Back to uh, 2 Timothy, this time chapter 4 and verse 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. This again was toward the very end of Paul's life, before he was martyred. He had kept the faith, and he reflects on that and says this, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 8. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So he says very plainly here, there is, he doesn't say there might be, or there could possibly be. He says, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. 
He doesn't say that he could award it to me, or if I'm good enough, it's possible that I can make it, and I could possibly receive a, a, a crown like this. No, he says that the Lord will award it to me. It's established up there in heaven, and when my time comes, there will be given to me a crown of righteousness. And Paul knew that it wasn't his own righteousness that allowed him to be bestowed with this crown. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ that is given to us as a gift. We are credited with Jesus' righteousness. But Paul says very plainly that that crown is there waiting for me, which Jesus will bestow to me when my time comes. And he says, not only to me, but also to all, this is you and me, to all who have longed for his appearing. So we're looking forward to Jesus' return. That is our goal. That is when he will come in glory and he will share with us his inheritance. And part of that will be a crown of righteousness that God has prepared for us. So it hasn't happened yet, but notice how plainly Paul speaks about it and describes it. Because he knows what God promises will surely be fulfilled. God calls things that are not yet as though they already are. Because with God we can be sure. What he has promised, it's not just a suggestion or a hope, it will be certain because God has promised it to us. And we don't have to worry because this crown of righteousness is not based on our own righteousness. We have all failed in that regard. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we will be crowned with. So all glory goes to him, not to us. Notice another example in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20 of Paul calling something that is not yet as if it already is. This is how strong his faith, his faith was, and we should learn and have the same faith. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, talking about God, it says in verse 19, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the, in the heavenly realms. So after Jesus' death and resurrection, he ascended back up to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. Now what about us? Well, chapter 2, verse 6, he says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Wait a minute. That hasn't happened yet. We're still there on earth. We're slugging it out day by day in our Christian walk and in our Christian journey. You know, in spite of negative comments and criticisms and persecutions, we're striving to remain loyal to God, follow him, worship Jesus Christ as our savior. But notice the way Paul states it. God raised us, past tense, not future, God may raise us, he could possibly raise us, verse 6, God raised us up with Christ and seated us, past tense, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. 
God calls things that are not yet as though they were, because that's how sure God is of our salvation. I don't know about you, but that really encourages me, that Paul takes that perspective, calling things that are not yet as if they are, because with God they will surely be. And that really helps my faith. That really establishes me. It gives me confidence. It gives me assurance that Paul would state that in such a way. Now, when I was raised as a young Catholic guy, I had a lot of uncertainty in my my mind because the Catholic way of life is a very legalistic way of life. It's all about do's and don'ts and things that you have to do if you sin. And if you don't do things exactly right, you know, you may end up not just in hell, but in purgatory where you'd have to spend thousands of years suffering because you weren't quite good enough. And there was always that uncertainty. Am I going to be good enough to make it? You know, what if I get to that point at the heavenly gates and, uh, you know, St. Peter says to me, eh, you missed it by this much, you know, and oh, how deflating that would be. How, how terrible that would be. And, you know, you live with that anxiety. But the Bible teaches differently. You know, once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, your salvation has come. It's no longer dependent on you, it's dependent on Jesus. And I think it's wonderful that Paul looks at himself and looks at us as already having been raised up with Christ and already having been seated with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Our reward is secure in in Jesus Christ. That's the faith that Paul had. And when I read scriptures like that, I'm just overwhelmed in a positive way. We can have confidence and we can have assurance. And Paul sets the tone for us. And I like what he says. I'll look at one more passage in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And beginning in verse 6. I mean, this, this scripture just oozes confidence and assurance in our calling. Paul says, being confident of this. This is something that should give us confidence. <laughs> Faith and confidence. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, your Christian calling will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus or until the day of his return when we receive our reward, when we are firmly established in eternal life forever. The confidence with which Paul spoke, because of his faith, he wants that to rub off on us, to read what he writes here because it is true that God who has called us, who has begun a good work in us, will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but that gives me tremendous assurance and faith and trust in God, knowing that, you know what, it's not up to me to try to earn it or to qualify for it. When Jesus Christ became my Savior by my decision, after I repented, My salvation is secure. 
You know, uh, we're waiting for Jesus Christ to return, which will usher in our eternal life, or our death, which if you look at it this way, our death is a door that we walk through to our eternal reward. A lot of people look at death negatively. This life is all we've known for our entire life, this physical life here on earth. But there is a much greater life that lies ahead of each and every one of us because of Jesus Christ. And death is the door that we're all going to walk through if we if Jesus doesn't return in that period of time. Death is the door we walk through to inherit our eternal life. Amen. So we shouldn't fear death. It's the end of one stage of our life, and it's the beginning of a much greater stage of our life, the eternal stage of our life, which Paul said in his writings is much better than anything we've ever experienced here on earth. You know, we've had good things in our life during our, our life here. We've had struggles in our life. But Paul said, being with Christ Jesus is better by far. You know, he was talking about his, his death and, you know, I, I feel like I've done my work. I'm ready to, to, you know, end it. But, you know, the church still has needs and I'm torn between the two, he said. Should I pray that God continue my life so I can continue to lead the churches or is he going to call me home, which is better by far for me. <laughs> so death is no longer our enemy. It's a door that we're all going to walk through. If our death comes first or if Jesus returns first, either way we go, that takes us to the next eternal phase of our experience where we'll see God face to face and enjoy him like we never did before. So I don't know about you, but Paul's writings, I think, in a very special way, increases my faith. When I read how he felt about these things, how he states them, how he encourages us all about them, how he calls God's promises as if they've already happened, and he says it with assurance, that's the same assurance that we should have when we consider our standing with God. And that's why the Bible talks about us, about us having joy as Christians. There, there should be joy. Yeah, you're in pain maybe with arthritis or, or other things that you're suffering from day to day. You don't have the strength that you used to have. But in spite of that, there should be a deep-seated joy that we should all have. Knowing that God's in charge. He has promised us these things. He will not fail us. It's not based on our effort and, and how good we can be. Sure, we try to be the best Christians we can be. But it's Jesus' righteousness that opens the door for us to eternal life. And that we have repented and claimed him as our savior. So Paul has taught me a lot about faith. He has really helped me in my Christian walk. Because we can all get down, we can all get discouraged. But he continues to remind us based on his faith that Christ gave him, that we should have the same faith. And he talks about assurance and dependence on God and the promises that he's made that will not fail.